the, the New Testament has very little about the life of St. Mary and even the infancy of, about, of Christ. Uh, th- that wasn't the object of the writers of the New Testament. The writers of the New Testament, as St. John says, that those who read um, what they've written might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believing they may have life in his name. So to put together the life of St. Mary, we use a lot of resources. I'm going to refer you to a very good book. Um, It's put together in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and they draw all sorts of uh, sources to come and talk about the life of St. Mary. They they talk about um, pulling sources from uh, not only scripture, but uh, tradition oral tradition, and also from the writings of some of the church fathers like St. Ignatius, St. Irenaeus, St. Justin Martyr, uh, St. Hippolytus, who writes the history, and other confessors, ascetics, and and monastic fathers. Also some of the hymnologists like St. Ephraim the Syrian. Um, So when you put all that together, even some of the uh, traditions of the church that... um, could be touched on, and even some of the epicru- uh, uh, the writings of the Apocrypha, right? Some of the books that um, we don't accept fully, uh, as the fathers and their discernment uh, have chosen. But uh, even then, the, the fathers do refer to some common things that those writings do show, like the Proto-Evangelion of St. James and other writings as well. So um, with that, I'm going to hand it over to... Uh, uh, Mariana, who will give us a uh, part one today with the life of St. Mary, and part two is uh, her virtues uh, um, as a lily among thorns, which we'll talk about on Friday. So uh, afterwards, we'll anoint you with some of the oil of St. Mary, and those who are watching, uh, you don't get that, but hopefully you come Friday and uh, for the part two session. So thank you. Happy fast of St. Mary, everybody. Um, as we know that in our church, every fast has a feast at the end. Um, for example, you know, nativity, we fast, and then at the end we have nativity, and then we have a resurrection at the end of uh, the Holy Lent. The Apostles' fast ends with the martyrdom of St. Paul, St. Peter and St. Paul. But St. Mary's fast, I see, I feel like a lot of us don't know really what we're celebrating and what kind of feast, because it's a very interesting feast. So um, it's a very unique one, so I, I decided to talk about it at the end. But for us to understand what we're actually celebrating in that fast, we have to kind of go over the end of her life, the second end of her life. And then as, um, as Abuna mentioned, this is the book that um, I used a lot of information from. It's a very interesting book. I personally read things that I, you know, I didn't know before, um, which made it even more interesting, like, because as, as he said, St. Mary doesn't, we don't mention a lot about her. So it was actually a great um, source to know things and details that we, we never knew about her. So, so like I said, for us to know exactly what we're celebrating, we're going to today discuss the second half of her life, or actually the basically kind of end of her life. But then Friday, we'll go backward. Friday, we'll go to the beginning of her life. And we're going to discuss how she is a lily among thorns and what kind of harsh life that she had um, you know, throughout her life. And um, we'll meditate on that. So um, St. Mary, having come from mortal loins, like any one of us, had a death comfort. Uh, uh, similar to, um, or actually uh, conformable to the nature for the constellation of all. 
people. So we see her going through death just like any other person, a physical death, and that actually um, takes away the fear from us to proceed to the gates by to, to heaven by the gates, the same gates of death that she goes through. Um, it was necessary that her body should be purified through death as gold through fire. She was born about um, 20 BC and she left earth after 52 AD. So she had about 70 years or a little less. Um, and she, as we know, Christ asked St. John to take care of her. So she actually lived after Saint, um, after the uh, um, crucifixion. She lived uh, at St. John's beloved's house and he took care of her. Um, and actually, um, throughout this talk, you'll see that she actually took care of him and the apostles in a different way. So she dwelt many years among the first Christians, and he, the Lord himself intended that she has, um, you know, those years spent with them because she had her own mission with them. She was a great source of strength and energy and consolation for the, for the apostles at that time. But of course, after Christ went to heaven, she had a deep desire to leave her body and be with him in heaven, and she was praying a lot about this. Um, now, re rewind a little bit. So before Christ's passion, she actually asked Christ, what is the plan for me? Can you tell me exactly where am I going to go? I mean, all her life, all she knows is to be with him. Now that you're leaving, what's going to happen to me? So... He, we, they discussed it together, and then she asked him for two things. She pleaded to him for two things. She said, I want to know my departure three days before it is time. And I also want all the disciples and the apostles to be, the, the disciples to be around me during this moment. So Christ told her, he accepted her request, and that he will always guard her with his angels, just like he did since she was young, a young child in the temple and he had his angels feed her angelic food, which is very cute. And we'll talk about that on Friday to see how the angels were actually taking care of St. Mary in the temple and feeding her when she went um, as a young child. So he told her, yes, I promise you that Archangel Michael, Archangel Michael, her friend, he will come three days before your departure and he will let you know that it is time. And I will make sure that the disciples are around you on that time. Um, so as we know that until the end of her life, she was living in the house of St. John the Beloved. Um, and that was on Mount Sion. Um, she often went from there to Mount of Olives, that place of ascension. And um, she always prayed there, and that was her place to always go. But then one day um, that was approaching her departure time, Archangel Michael, I mean Archangel Gabriel appeared to her, and he told her that, your time has come. In three days, you will go to, uh, to heaven and you're going to sit on the right side, hand side of your son's throne and you will unite again with him. So she was very happy, of course, because that's the day she's been waiting for. And the way the angel, the angel, angel Gabriel was um, calling her or speaking or addressing her um, was my mistress and my lady. And I see that this is very cute because I feel like it's like a, a cute relationship between the two that started way back when she was 13 years old when he brought the news to her and um, brought her mission and her whole, you know, change of her life. Um, it started from that day when he visited her. So he looks like every time he goes to her, he's bringing big old news to her, right? Big change. 
So when Our Lady, and the tradition says that when Our Lady knelt and offered her petition and thanksgiving, the prayers were accompanied by the wonderful manifestation. The olive trees growing on the Mount of Olives, the trees, they actually bowed with her as she bowed on the ground to give thanksgiving. And when she rose, the trees straightened up themselves again. So that was, um, I was very cute that when I read that, I really liked it. So she just heard the news from, from Archangel Gabriel that it's her time to go. And, um, and then she, she, I'm repeating this for people who just came. And then she knelt and she gave petition and thanksgiving. And when she did that, the trees of the Mount of Olives bowed with her. And when she rose, the trees straightened themselves out again. Um, then she went home and she went to St. John the Beloved and she told him that I got the news that it's my time to leave. Um, this was huge for the, for the apostles and the disciples. It was huge for them that their mother is about to leave after they already you know, lost the, the physical connection of Christ being with them. And, um, and um, it was very hard hard for them to know that now their mother is leaving them. So they felt like they're going to be orphans, you know. So it was very bad news for St. John the Beloved. Um, and St. Mary not only lived with him, but she lived, they had, she had a lot of virgins living with her. And um, she had, you know, you can imagine how much the neighbors and the, the people in the village loved her. And she meant so much to everybody. She was like a mom for everybody. So it was very bad news to a lot of people. So the house was crowded with people and and you know you know people wailing and sad that she's leaving and she was starting to, to to console them so much and to ask him not to weep and to rejoice and she told them that she will be soon able to pray to her son with greater boldness as she was with uh, as she was going to be standing near to the throne of god she promised that she would not leave them orphans <clears throat> after her departure but that she would visit the whole world and attend to its need and help them in trouble and that was very consoling for me and that was very comforting for me to know that this is exactly how she feels with us she she's very close to the throne now and she remembers us and she will never leave us like I am I'm, I'm trying to hear those words that she told them as if she's telling it to us that she's never gonna leave us as orphans she's always gonna keep an eye on us so Mary had um, two garments, and as you guys know, during that time, it was so hard to have clothes. The clothing was a very expensive piece of material. Like now, you find it very cheap and so easy. But back then, clothes was very um, expensive, very hard to make. They didn't have the machines. They didn't have all that. So if you own a garment, you own something that's actually of a lot of value. And if you remember, when Christ was crucified, you know, it shows that it was a deal. It was a big deal to have a garment. So they were fighting over his garment. And that's why they cast a lot. And they didn't even want to tear it. They felt so bad. It's too precious. So she had two garments. And um, she asked, she made a will concerning those two garments. That they go to two poor um, or um, widows that actually served her very faithfully all her life. And she also made another will to be known is that she wanted to be buried on the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane where her parents and St. Joseph the Carpenter was, they were all buried there. So she, she did those two, uh, she made those two requests. And then while the Theotokos was making those arrangements, a sudden noise was heard, similar to a clap of thunder, um, all of a sudden in the little house of St. John. 
a big cloud encircled the house and all the disciples were in it and all of them found themselves in there in the house um, like around the house and they were very surprised they were wondering what is something you know the holy spirit brought all of us on clouds from wherever we are for this house right now what's going on so john the beloved he met them and he told them that um saint mary is departing soon and of course that was very tough you know news for them too and it brought intense sorrow to their hearts they entered the house they found saint mary wearing joyful clothing sitting on a bed on her bed and she greeted they greeted her and she greeted them saying peace to you brethren chosen by the lord himself how did you arrive here so they told her by the power of the spirit um, the angels seized us from wherever we were um, peter was in rome mark was in alexandria matthew was in a boat and everyone was in a different place but they found but an angel seized them in a cloud and brought them at this place at this time um, to see him so saint mary was very happy because that was her request to all of them that I mean of, for all of them to be there during her departure and then during this conversation comes St. Paul and St. Paul he fell at, at her feet and said rejoice mother of my life and my preaching gazing on you I think that I see your son now St. Paul as you know was very interesting um, he had a very interesting situation um, he was called to be a, uh, an apostle after Jesus was already gone from earth so he really never experienced the everyday um, fellowship with Christ when he was on earth with the disciples and doing you know, miracles and and uh, he, he, he wasn't which I think it's kind of strange that he wasn't we were even discussing maybe maybe he heard of him at least or something but he wasn't one of the people that were around him and he didn't witness what they witnessed so he was called later on as you all know and um, he was he spent a few years in the wilderness and Christ himself was appearing to him teaching him kind of like trying to help him to catch up with what he's missed and of course he became one of the greatest um, apostles but he had a hard time being accepted by the apostles at the beginning because of course they knew their his history so um, so for him St. Mary's presence on earth was kind of like it makes up for what he missed when Christ was there so he so she meant a lot to him she was his mother on earth and of course that was also a very tough day for him so Mary called each of the holy apostles by name to herself and she praised their faith and labor in the preaching of Jesus Christ. And the relationship between St. Mary and the apostles was just so beautiful to read about and contemplate about. She was true mother for all of them and she was a source of support and she kept them going because you can imagine how tough service is if you think about how tough our service is now think about it back then when it was against the law when it was you were chased everywhere you were thrown in prison you were she was strengthening them she kept them going she helped them to to you know look beyond what they're going through and it's i mean they're humans yes the holy spirit is strengthening them but it was tough it was a it was challenging every day for them every moment in the service was challenging so she was there to strengthen them to give them this hope so she was a, a big source of their joy and their, their peace. So they were feeling like they were about to become orphans. She wept with them and for them and tried to comfort them. And they stayed up all night praising and reading Psalms. Now on the day of her departure, she greeted each apostle again with a blessing. And she had a special attention to each one of them. And um, when it was her moment, suddenly was thunder from heaven 
and um, like the sound of thunder from heaven, and came a fearful voice as of, a, of a chariots, and behold, a multitude of a host of angels and powers, and a voice as if of the Son of God was heard. The room was shining with an with great light of divine glory, and some of the people, the disciples saw the vision, and some of even the people who were gathering around her saw the, the roof opening, and they saw the vision of the angels coming down and the, um, and the glory of God descending from heaven. Christ, the King of glory, came down with the host of angels and archangels and all the heavenly powers. And he looked at her and he said, Arise, my beloved, my fair one, my dove. And then the, the book uh, mentioned a very beautiful dialogue. I mean, I got chills reading it. The dialogue between the mother of God and her son. Um, it, was, it was very, very beautiful. Um, but anyway, St. Mary closed her eyes like she was sleeping, and she, surren she surrendered her soul in the hands of her son and Lord. And the Lord stretched forth his hands and received her holy and blameless soul. There were wonderful and joyous angelic singing and praising that were heard, and her face shone like the sun, and a splendid and sweet perfume emitted from her most pure body. Um, a scent that's impossible to find on earth. And we get a glimpse of, the, of this from the oil that Abuna has, that he was mentioning in the beginning. Um, it came from an icon, and I'm sure all of you know, in Port Said in Egypt, that's been weeping oil for like 30 years. And it's St. Mary's icon. And the fragrance from this oil is just something that you cannot, you cannot describe. It's like flower that you've never smelled before. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, you know, don't leave without you know, smelling it and, and just give that experience yourself. And uh, actually, many people who had like miracles or apparitions of St. Mary to them or stuff like that, they always mention the aroma that they always smell when St. Mary appears, and they always describe it with these beautiful flowers. Um, it's interesting because I, I just hear it consistent the way they describe it. Anyway... Um, the body, even being there, gave healing to people and performed miracles, and and it gave a feeling of peace to the apostles, which for me was very important. I mean, miracles can happen day and night, but when you get the, the peace and the comfort inside you, this is like the biggest miracle. This is the biggest desire of all of us. And this was a very, very tough time for them. But her presence, even her body's presence to them, there around them, gave them comfort and peace to endure a moment like that and to be peaceful um, during the most sorrowful time of their life. So they carried her body and to bury it and they walked in a procession while enchanting and um, they were carrying lights and censers and they sang funeral prayers. Um, kind of sounds like what we do now, like you can tell the tradition of funeral and all our prayers come from really uh, ancient time. But um, so they took they, you know, they took that procession on their way to Gethsemane to bury her there, just like she asked. But hovering over them appeared a circular cloud reminiscent of a crown, which shone with a bright radiance. And the voices of singing angels came out from that cloud. So that cloud was hovering over them the whole procession on their way. Now, of course, during that time... Um, the Jews were very furious. The Jews were very upset still about this whole Christianity thing, about Jesus, and this is his mother now. So they stirred up few people 
and they told them like a mob, you know, very upset people to go and push, you know, the body to burn it and to kill the apostles to just like make it a day of a massacre. So um, those people went and that cloud that was hovering on the procession struck them, the angels struck them and they were actually, they actually became blind and it caused a lot of fear, of course, among them. And there was a Jewish priest, his name was Athanius, and he was out on the road and he was filled with anger and envy when he saw that. So he rushed and he was very upset and he tried to go through the procession and the crowd to push off the coffin of St. Mary to cast her body on the ground. So the moment he touched the coffin, he was the angel struck him and his arms were detached from where the elbow is. So all of a sudden, the guy's arms were stuck to the coffin and, and he, like his arms were basically you know you can't imagine the fear that he had and the screaming and the wailing and the crying and he's like i'm sorry you know he was going of course you know you can't imagine the situation so um he the the, apostles, the disciples told them you know you need to repent this is the body of, of uh, saint mary who carried jesus christ and the guy was wailing and crying and repented for what he's done and um and confessed that jesus christ is the son of god so saint peter ordered them to put you know the coffin next to him and you know he got healed his he got joined again and traditions say that he was well and everything was fine except he had a red line where the elbow is to remind him of that incident and to remind him of um, who saint mary was and jesus christ he believed and he joined the procession and then after the burial and everything he actually was baptized and he joined christianity then the peop the mob, the crazy people that came very upset, that were struck by blindness, they also repented and they asked for forgiveness. And, you know, of course, St. Mary, Mary's body and her love for her children, she pleaded to Christ and, she, um, and they were healed and they started seeing and they also joined Christianity. So even by her death, she was preaching. Then they finally arrived at the tomb and they laid her pure body there. And for three days, they smelled and they, they heard, they smelled beautiful um, fragrance and um, they heard praises coming out of the tomb for those three days. Now, every, all the disciples were sieged by the, the angels and they were there the day she was, um, she departed, except one disciple always gets left out, right? Who is he? Saint who? Saint Thomas. Again, the poor guy, right? So he was not with them that day. And three days later after her burial, he was caught finally, right? He was caught in a cloud. He was coming from India, guys. You have to give him, you know, <laughs> a break. He's coming from really far. So the angel brought him on a cloud on top of her tomb. And he saw the crowd of angels carrying the body of St. Mary. He was the only one who saw this beautiful vision. And the angels told him, hurry, Thomas, take the blessing of St. Mary, the body of St. Mary. So he blessed it and he kissed it and the girdle of St. Mary fell off and he asked the angels if he can keep it. So it's, you know, her little belt around her waist. So the angels gave him permission and he kept it with him. And then he went to, um, to the apostles to visit and they were all still together. And they said, Thomas, we're sorry, you know, you missed, you missed the departure of our beloved St. Mary. Uh, we're sorry about that. So he, this time he pretended. He said, nope, I don't believe that she died like any one of us. She was not a, you know, she had Jesus Christ in her. There's no way I have to, be, I can believe only if I see it. I have to go to the tomb and see it. So 
I'm just imagining what happened. So they took him to the tomb and they opened it and he said, see for yourself. So he goes in and he says, see what? And then the disciples look and of course, not again, right? Another empty tomb. So they were all scared and they said, what happened? They stole her body. What happened to her? But St. Thomas said, no, they did not steal her body. But her body, you know, was lifted with by the angels all the way to heaven. Um, and I even have her girdle here. This is the proof of the vision I saw. So they were so sad because they wanted to see that too, you know. And they said, we wanted to, to get to, you know, witness something like that. So um, they said, fine, we'll pray and we'll, we'll fast until Christ allows us to see a vision, the vision like that and to see where St. Mary is and, and uh, see her again. So they fasted and after two weeks, the Lord appeared to them among with St. Mary in her glorified nature. And he told them that the body of St. Mary is in heaven because the body that carried God the Logos for nine months and took from its from it his humanity should not remain in dust on the dust of the earth so they got to see saint mary in her glorious nature now and um that's why we fast the two weeks um and that's what we're celebrating on saturday that the vision that they saw again the the manifestation of the glorious vision that they saw of saint mary i want to end by one thing um that i feel like it's very important. So today in the veneration and the praises, we mentioned so many things about St. Mary, especially when we're saying Hail to you, Mary, Sharon, and Mary. We're going back and forth saying all oh, the joy of this, the Adam, the, you know, we were talking about so many titles and we called her many beautiful, you know, things to describe her. But I think the most important thing that we all should remember or a title that is that she is our mother. She's all these beautiful things, but she's my mother. But she's my mother. She's, she's, she's the mother of everyone here. Everyone in the world who believes in her, believes in Jesus Christ, should feel like St. Mary is his mother. The Holy Spirit, so I heard a very cute little talk by Abuna Lua Sidoros, and he said that the Holy Spirit came upon her to prepare her for the incarnation for our Lord. And she was sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and um, her body and her soul and her motherhood, they were made very special. So, no, you know, mothers are beautiful and they're very special to everybody. But nobody had this way of sanctifying their motherhood and um, the Holy Spirit's work on her motherhood for us. So, she is our mother and she loves us like a mother and she prays for us like a mother. But even if we know this, but do we believe it? Do we live it? Do we believe that G that St. Mary is our mother, that she looks down at us that from heaven and she prays for us? Is she really part of your prayers when you ask, you know, in your prayers, do you really ask her? I mean, do you even imagine that if you have a problem in your life or personal life or work or job or something, do you ask her and say, St. Mary, mother, my mother, can you please go and ask Christ for me? Do you actually think that she goes in front of his throne and says please remember mariana for this problem by the name to jesus christ do we feel that she actually asked for you specifically sometimes i even personally feel intimidated to ask for saint mary i feel like i leave her for the big things you know but no we don't have to feel that way she's very simply our mother she still cares and she can she'll hear you even if it's a simple request um 
if you, if you, I'm, I'm sure all of you heard about the apparitions in, of St. Mary in Egypt. And they always happen during very tough time, like during the war, during persecutions, after the burning of and, and the bombing of a lot of churches in Egypt, she appeared. She kept giving comfort to her people. Every time we're, we're put under a lot of pressure and stresses and problems, she would appear just to give us hope and she'll, to say, you know, I'm here, don't worry, I've got you. And it's beautiful to imagine her and there's a tune and they always, you know, take a picture of her, like they draw her, paint her like this, as if she's, she has all of us in her arms and she's looking at us from heaven saying, don't worry, I'm here, I got you, you know. I love this, uh, this picture. Um, Tama Berini, I'm sure all of you heard of her. Uh, one of her nuns that was, um, she spent a lot of years with her in the, in the convent, she went to heaven before Tama Berini and Tama Berini had a vision that she actually wrote in, or mentioned in, um, in one of her meetings with the nuns, and then they wrote it later in one of her books. She said that the nun, so-and-so, she said her name, but I can't remember which one, but she came to me, she appeared to me, and she sat with me in my cell, and we were discussing heaven. And I told her, what do you guys do in heaven? And the, and the nun told her, we serve. She said, what do you mean serve? I thought this is done, this is gone. You still serve? She said, yeah. Like for me, when I, I left and I came here to talk to you and to tell you more about heaven, this is service. And then when she, she's telling her all the kind of things they do in, in, in heaven, it was so beautiful. But what really was amazing, she said, St. Mary has an amazing place in heaven. She's the queen of heaven. And she is pleading all day to Jesus Christ for the whole world. And her prayers and her sessions are very powerful. So many evil that's about to strike you guys, she stopped it. And so many things that she's asking for to happen, Christ is listening to her. She's very powerful in her intercessions. That was very touchy to know. So I'm going to end up with one little story that happened. It's actually a real story happened. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about Mount, Mount Athos. It's uh, in Greek, right? Greece. Um, so there's a monastery there, and there was... Um, a poor man who lived around this area and he was so poor to, that day was so bad to him that he didn't even have food to eat so he was so hungry and he went to the monastery and he knocked on the door and the gatekeeper I don't know if he was a monk or not but the gatekeeper said get away from here you're gonna you know I'm not gonna give you sit here and give you free stuff go get money or something and come back and I'll give you some food so the man was very sad and he walked a little bit and found a shade under a tree he sat on a big rock and he was said Mother of God, my mother, you're going to leave me hungry. Give me a piece of bread. Give me something to eat. So while he was sad and sitting there and trying to think what he's going to do, a lady came to him. He didn't think about it, right? A lady came to him and she said, Why are you crying, my son? And he said, I'm hungry. I, I want food. And I went to the monastery. They said, I need money and I don't have money. So she said, here, don't worry about it. Just take this piece of money and they'll give you food. And tell them, tell the people in the monastery, they need to stop being unmerciful like this. Otherwise, I'll take the blessings from this monastery. So he took the coin and he went and he knocked again. And the guy said, what are you doing here again? He said, no, this time I have money. Can you please give me some bread? So the guy took the coin and looked at it and he said, where did you get this from? It's gold. Where did you get this from? He said, I don't know. There was a lady here that came and gave it to me because she knew I was hungry. So he said, the guy said, something is up. He, he, he kind of figured out something is up. 
So he took him inside. He's like, I want you to meet the Abba of the church, the head of the, mon the monastery. So he took him in. And um, the, the Abba of the monastery said, who are you? Tell me exactly what happened. So he told him what happened. And he said, and she gave me this coin. And the Abba knew right away it was St. Mary because they don't allow women, I guess, in that mountain. So if a, if a woman comes that fast to him, he knew that it was her. So they went to the icon of St. Mary to give thanks. And as they're looking at the icon, as you know, icons are made of uh, gold leaves. So St. Mary had like, they had a nice, beautiful necklace around her. And that necklace was missing one of the beads that was gold and it looked just like the, the coin that she gave him. So they knew it was from St. Mary and they gave thanks and they did praises and the, the, the Abba of the monastery was upset and he said, from this day on until this day, they have this uh, um, habit, I don't know, I guess the tradition, from this day, you leave a, a box or a basket outside the door of the monastery for any poor person, and we put bread in it every day for whoever is poor and needs to eat. Until now, they had that. It's just very cute to think of St. Mary, because if I am sleeping in the middle of the night and my son calls me at 2 o'clock in the morning because he's hungry or thirsty, I will get up and feed him, and any mom would do that. So that's a mom that saw her son hungry and she could not she could not let him go hungry or sleep hungry. It just shows you how much she loves us and and don't forget how poor St. Mary was so she felt for that poor man even more. So um, I hope you guys know now why we're celebrating on the 22nd and what we're celebrating and why we're fasting for these 15 for two weeks and I hope we um, enjoy the blessing of having St. Mary and we always remember that she got our back, just like a mom to each one of us. May her intercessions and blessing be with us always. And um, pray for me. Okay. Can you tell us what it's